Hello, and welcome to the first They Don't Make Them Like They Used To of 2015. In all the excitement of being back in the studio, during the live show, I forgot to press record. So what you're going to hear now is going to be most of the show. My name is Tosin, and you will hear Joe and Sean talking about the merits of watching The Woman in Black 2 at the cinema over the, the Christmas break. Enjoy. We just had to heckle it, and we were like, no, 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 don't go into the room. She's going upstairs. Going upstairs I wonder which room she's going to go and, into. And it was a most enjoyable it, evening. It, it, I yeah. really enjoyed that. For all the wrong reasons. For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. It was just so predictable. I mean, there's predictable, yeah. and then there was the woman in black too. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was a shame, a real shame. <laughs> So, so a good night at the cinema, but not for the reasons you might expect. No, it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Anyway, for those of you who have not been listening to the show or do not know what it is we're about, we are here talking about movies, old movies, classic movies, movies made before the year 1980, because as the title of the show says, they just don't make them like they used to. So each week, we're going to be having people, well, there's... There's three other people in the studio besides me, and one of them will pick a film that they say, now this is a bona fide classic. This is just brilliant. And we will discuss that. And this week, it is Joe's turn to pick first. So, Joe, what film have you got for us today? Well, uh, I before, um, before my, current, uh, my current life as a teacher, I used to travel quite a bit. I was very lucky. I went to quite a lot of countries and uh, did quite a lot of cool things. And uh, found myself... Um, uh, well, this is 2009, possibly, 2008, I can't quite remember, uh, found myself on a boat sailing down the Mekong River uh, out of Vietnam and into Cambodia. And I had my little MP3 player on and I was listening to the soundtrack to a film. Now, what's the only film soundtrack that you're going to be listening to <laughs> on a boat travelling down the Mekong into Cambodia? Sound of music. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. God, it brought the whole place into a different light. No, no. It was the, the weird, trippy, fantastic, of its era soundtrack to Apocalypse Now. Oh, cool. And from the said weird, trippy soundtrack to Apocalypse Now, we have the, about the only song that I think you could play for the one scene from Apocalypse Now. And oh, I'll leave you all to guess what it is, but here it is anyway. Yes, Ride of the Valkyries. Who wrote that? That was Mr. Wagner, wasn't it? Wagner, Wagner. Wagner. All right. Strange man. It's a song that I I know it's almost almost movie sacrilege to say this, but whenever I hear that song, the first film that comes to my mind is not Apocalypse Now. It's actually my favorite film ever, The Blues Brothers, because it's the first time I ever heard that. <laughs> the Blues what? Is that a film? The Blues Brothers, yeah. I mean, it's and it's probably used in a way that, when, now I think back at it, it's probably making fun of the apocalypse now, then it's a bit that's used in a with a flying car. But never mind, great film. But anyway, Apocalypse Now, that's what we're talking about today. Joe, tell us what is so great. Everything. 
much. <laughs> Every single aspect of the film, even I mean, on screen, it's a it's a real journey into an unpleasant state of mind, into an absolutely horrific place to be at a really unpleasant time during a very sad uh, uh, history of a country. Uh, it's um, a fascinating look at filmmaking. I mean, everyone I know quite a few people that say the film about the making of Apocalypse Now is actually better than Apocalypse Now. The um, Heart of Darkness, the filmmaker's Apocalypse. It just shows how difficult it was to get this film made and how close to not happening uh, it came. How poor old Francis Ford Coppola basically risked everything to get it finished. Um, Didn't from that, Martin Sheen famously have a heart attack during the making? He of had a, he had a, a complete now. breakdown. That scene, the scene where he's um, fairly near the beginning of the movie after you have that brilliant introduction um, with the helicopter and he wakes up and he's still in Saigon and you see him descend into this sort of madness and he punches the mirror. That was actually supposedly real. He was actually having a breakdown and, and whether it's ethical or not, they let the cameras roll and they watched him go to this really, really dark place and that's what made it into the film. So yeah, you've got, you've got Martin Sheen having a breakdown. You've got Marlon Brando at, at, at one of the weirdest times of his life. Right. He wouldn't <laughs> appear on joke. screen unless he was in shadow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was very self-conscious about his weight, made everything up because he didn't learn the lines. There's, 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 and Harrison Ford's in it too. Harrison for Ford's a short in there at, the, at the beginning. There's some amazing yeah. cameos yeah. in it. I was yeah. thinking, he had the, that music. Is he the guy that says... Terminate with, with extreme, extreme prejudice. prejudice. Yes. <laughs> That's Harrison no. Ford's line. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, there's Harrison, Harrison Ford's line. Yeah. 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 So, because that cameo was, I was trying to think, it's Robert Duvall, wasn't it? He wasn't he a Custer-esque type colonel he's Kilgore, in yeah. charge Kilgore, of yeah. the Seventh Cavalry? He, he's got so the I love with the helicopters, first of the night there, Cab son. They're like the amazing cameos, aren't they? That they're yeah. only in it for a short while, but they yeah. just. But it's it's like this this odyssey. You meet these weird mm. characters on the way as you get into a darker and darker state of mind. These characters come forward they're with them for a little while. Then old Martin Sheen's character just carries on down the river and leaves that bit of it's madness behind. Gets stranger and weirder. And it gets the weirder further until they you're go confronted down, just like with the book. Until yeah, just like um, oh, the, the fantastic Conrad book. Um, until he yeah, finally, that's the book by Joseph Conrad. That's the one. Heart yeah. of Darkness. Until he eventually ends up in this this nightmare, which um, Colonel Kurtz has created with all these bodies hanging from trees and and an absolutely insane Dennis Hopper uh, as a photographer that just decided to hang around in this this <laughs> land of slaughter because it said something to him and he he got caught up in uh, Colonel Kurtz's sort of mystical wonder. It's just a masterpiece. All right, cool. But okay, so speaking about that, I know from uh, let's see, we have uh, Robert Duval. He has the I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Smells like victory. Someday like. this war's gonna end. <laughs> and that's has, wisdom. The, 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 I like his way he says to his guys, you, "That's good because you either surf sand or you fight." Yeah, <laughs> pretty airy out there. If I say it's safe to surf <laughs> this beach, how did it safe to surf this beach? Well, it is, and it's also got. When we talk about cameos, it's also, it's also got the future Morpheus in it. It's got Lawrence Fishburne in it. Who really? Yeah, really? yeah, Who? he's. Got, uh, yeah, as a very, very, is a very young Lawrence. He was, he was, Larry. was his first film thing. He was still called Larry. He was run about twenty when he showed up in the film. Yeah, and, yeah so it's quite a, a training ground for some of these actors who've gone I, on for. 
from from everything I've heard, training ground seems to be the appropriate phrase. I don't Pro- think they ever made a harder film. Yeah, any of those actors. Yeah, boot camp probably is more like. And there's yeah. this there's this one scene in the film that stands up in my mind that just sort of like and for me it encapsulates what the whole film's trying to say. You talk about the riverboat. About the it's on the it's on the riverboat. He he because. I have to admit, first time I saw this film, because I've been hearing about this one for so long, I was at boarding school, I recorded it off TV, and I was like, great, fine, I'm going to get to watch this film. It took me about four days to watch the whole film, because I just kept losing interest. Wow, I've only seen the Redux version, you must have something else, <laughs> four days. Oh, no, no. I, Can I, I have a copy? No, I, I, kept, I kept losing interest, I was kind of like, there's no plot, I don't understand what the heck's going on. But there's this one bit when, uh, where the, I think this one bit sort of made me think, okay, I think I understand what they're trying to do with the film. And Martin Sheen comes off, and he, he's walking along this trench, and there's people just shooting over the, they're coming out of this trench, and they're shooting at the people, shooting at the people, shooting at the people. And then he goes to Lawrence Fisherman, and he goes, who's in charge here? And Lawrence Fisherman turns around and looks at him and goes, ain't you? <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, I think I, I think I get what they're doing with this film. It's just, yes. it's just crazy that war is madness. The horror. Yeah, there's so many lines from that film. It's, it's yeah, every single word is quotable. And I actually, I, I don't know if this is, um, this is not the done thing, but I actually prefer the Redux version. I, I think the scene after they steal, uh, after they steal the surfboard, and you just have this, this, this cut, and they're in the, they're in the jungle. And you hear this helicopter flying over, over overhead with a recorded message on a, an like a tannoy going, I really like that surfboard. Give me the surfboard, surfboard lads. Yeah, yeah. And he's got it on repeat. And he's he's so nuts, he's taking time out of the war to <laughs> to use a helicopter to go and find his surfboard. Yeah, yeah because because in, in the original version, that's not in it. No, they, I know. They I know. pinch his surfboard. They pinch. Okay, that is, I, I have held back from asking anybody to actually explain what the plot of this film is yeah. because I think it might be pointless. Well, I'll tell but, you if you like, in, in five seconds. Okay, five seconds, tell Tri- me the plot of the film. Trip up the river to find a, a, a complete crazy colonel that's gone nuts and he's acting of his own of his own um, will rather than following the will of the army. During the Vietnam War. During the Vietnam War, which spread over into Cambodia, though no one was supposed to know about it. Yeah, because I think it's it's definitely different from any other Vietnam movie I've ever seen. So much so that it took me ages to figure out that this was a film about the Vietnam War. <coughs> but I, I think it was one of the earlier ones I'd seen. So my impression of the Vietnam War was, was that it was apocalypse. complete chaos. So when you actually try to find out about the actual what did happen in Vietnam, you, you it did mm. does shadow that everything you try to read about the actual facts I, of what I, happened. I was having a what caused it, what started it, what were their what were their aims, and did nobody they achieve seems, any of Nobody them? seems to really you know. You get all that bit, don't yeah. you? Because yeah. you, your impression is that it was chaos, and all these young Americans were just left leaderless. Yeah. Well, there's a great bit where they actually find out. They're on the boat down the river, and someone's like, "Well, we're in Cambodia." He's like, "Why are we in Cambodia?" They didn't they even know that they crossed over. They had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Vietnam films. I love Vietnam films. I talked to Joe about this, and I've told him a few. I mean, it's the Boys in Company C, and uh, it's just I, I could talk Vietnam films all day long. Yeah, because so. you don't tend to realise, you know, the the, Amer- the the French that were there, the Australians were there. Well, there's that great French said, plantation scene which they yeah, added. Yeah, well, they the go up to, and the French family's still there. Does go on for quite a while, yeah, but, it's, but it gives <laughs> you a different perspective. And then the helicopter lands with the play girls, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the place, it's just After like they've just nuts. been helicoptered yeah, out they, that weird, surreal uh, nighttime Shh, performance. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, Sean, uh, uh, if we're going to uh, compare Vietnam movies that we've spoken about on this show, so Apocalypse Now versus the Green Berets. 
No, oh, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Thank you. The Green Berets is very... Uh, John I Wayne, mean, isn't it? So John Wayne is going to make sense of all the chaos, isn't in, he? He's going to want to make in, sense. In the Green it's, Berets... It's very black and white. I'd like <laughs> to have seen John Wayne in the Marlon Brando role of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> <laughs> but then John Wayne was really right, right wing, and that was that was 68, about the time of the uh, Tet Offensive, and things were going bad, and he was trying to, to make it seem... Like you a know. propaganda. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was definitely a propaganda movie. Get the movie. American people back behind the war again, wasn't he? I suppose. Well, I remember, Pocket's Now was uh, co-written by John Midas, which um, about as right right wing as you can get. Yeah. Really, isn't it? But the, the first anti-Vietnam. Can I just say this? Yeah, Sorry, yeah, I know yeah. we're running on, but the, yeah. the, the, I was saying this to Joe. The first Vietnam film I saw was um, it was called The Boys in Company C, and it's basically uh, Full Metal Jacket. Way, way before Full Metal Jacket. Now, it's just a, Sean you know, said sorry. it's better than Full Metal Jacket, and I said, hang on a minute, I haven't seen this film, but that isn't true. <laughs> and then it actually came out beforehand, and it I, was, I've yeah, got to watch it. I've got to it see was, You to need compare. to see it. It's just, it is Full Metal Jacket, but it's just taken in a jungle setting rather than an urban setting. Okay. Can, I, uh, yeah, can I grab this opportunity to talk about what some people online have been saying? Okay, yeah, 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 um, quickly. Uh, we've got a, a Facebook page, a new Facebook page set up for this show in particular. So if you haven't liked uh, They Don't Make Them Like They Used To on Facebook, I think it's Facebook forward slash like they used to. If you haven't done that, do it. Uh, we put a message on earlier on asking what the best Vietnam War movie was. We had a few responses. Uh, Laura Norris said, hello, Laura. Uh, she said The Deer Hunter. She said it scared her husband, and he said that he hoped that we never went to war uh, when we came out of the pictures, just because of that film. So, oh, wow. So there's another classic, The Deer Hunter. Uh, we had uh, a comment on Platoon, uh, the music, and We Were Soldiers, a fairly modern one. We Well, we, I think that was an exception to the rule, yeah. if I really appreciate yeah, 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 sure yeah. it. It's a good one. A good yeah, one, we yeah. spoke about that as an exception to the rule. Yeah. So, okay, final question about this. What do you think it is about the Vietnam War that makes people keep going back to mine it for films because it's there's still this this um they were wrong or or they were right uh, america it was never really resolved they pulled out was it a victory was it not a victory yeah they left their men behind they left all these prisoners of war behind without negotiating their release unanswered unanswered questions i think it's because of all the things that went wrong i think but where there was such a clear victory after the second world war and korea was a bit more absolute I think for that generation, it was their war yeah. and it was a mess. <laughs> and I think the subsequent wars, you know, when we look at Iraq and we look at Afghanistan, again, they're a bit more clear cut. You've got a bad guy, you've got a definite, you're, you're the bad guys, we're the good guys, the, I, end of. And I think these Vietnam wars, it's much mm. more cloudier, isn't it? Also, also, it was the first war that was unrestricted to the media. So, I mean, you, you had photographers going out there, you had newspaper reporters, and, and they actually, I, I saw a programme on this, and after the Vietnam War, they decided, particularly in the Falklands War, that, that Margaret Thatcher said she would only allow three journalists. No foreign journalists were allowed to cover the war, and it was very, very much stage-managed. Same with Desert Storm, all of them. Now all the wars are controlled. There's no... Whereas in Vietnam... You had photographers that became famous yeah, just yeah, because yeah. of the Tim war. Tim Perry. Well, Harris, well, Harris, Errol Flynn's son, Sean Flynn, Errol became Flynn, famous. Yeah, they, well, he was lost in, in Vietnam, in, wasn't it, he? Because that added to his mystique. So you had... And there's famous. so much imagery, whereas now all wars are totally controlled by the, the, the people that run them. Look at the type of filmmakers that make films about Second World War. Yeah. And look at the type of directors that have attempted to make films about Vietnam. I mean, your controversial Oliver Stones and your Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. These are guys that in, are interested in, in questioning things, not just telling a straight... You know, a tale of good and bad. Mm. Interesting. So it's well, 
well, actually, we could go on for ages about that. We could. We could, we <laughs> we, could do it. I, we, I said to you earlier, we could do a whole program. We, we could do that, but I mean, yeah. seeing as this is a hospital radio it's station, it's I don't think I particularly want to do a whole no, program. No, 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 for sure. <laughs> I Vietnam can understand war. that one. But, but maybe we could do like a special online-only only thing. Yeah. Where we just, we just put Sean in a room, put a Sean in a room for like two hours and say, <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want to continue the discussion, go to the Facebook page and comment there. We, we can respond to you there and carry mm. on. All right, cool. Good stuff. And now, um, as we have this, uh, we have this thing that happens every week where it is time for this. Joe comes up with a legend quiz every single week and he gives us four clues, at least four clues of this person. And we have to try and figure out by the end of the show who he is talking about. So please, in the hospital, please do feel free to play along. As you, oh, if you if you have access to Facebook, you can put on Facebook right now with a timestamp. Figure it out. This is what it is before we do before the end of the show. But I'll now hand over to Joe. Joe, please take it away. Okay, uh, born on not born on the fourth of July. Born on August the twenty third, nineteen twelve, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, throughout his career, this screen legend carried a half moon shaped scar on his left cheek. Uh, which was caused by a bicycle accident he had as a young boy. So this first clue, you're going to have to close your eyes, imagine the faces of all the screen legends you know. Which one had a half-moon-shaped scar on his left cheek, Hmm. which was caused uh, by a bicycle accident? And it is visible. It's not one of those ones that you never saw because they were concealed so well. If you you look back, you can see that, uh, that little scar there. Hmm... That's a good one. Hmm, thank you. That is a good one. It's got me thinking. I think I, th- I should know this, but anyway, I can. I'm pretty sure. He, okay, so could he? He could still be alive, couldn't he? Well, he'd be a hundred and three. Yeah. So yeah, he could still be. <laughs> still be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Advances in modern science and all that. So <laughs> it's not Kirk Douglas again. <laughs> right. be, so he wouldn't be hundred three. Hundred two. No. Hundred and twenty. Can only think of one. Good. Oh, yeah, because we thought Kirk Douglas was no longer with us, didn't we? No, I was (laughs) right. You're still hanging in there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Right, good one. And we'll carry on now. And it is now Sean's turn to pick a film this week that he thinks is a bona fide classic that we should all watch. Go ahead, Sean. Okay, okay. This film, um, obviously, I would have been fairly young. And on TV, they would show all these uh, 50 sci-fi movies, um, you know, 1950s sci-fi movies. and there were loads of them, but the one that was, was really, really creepy uh, was this one called It Came From Outer Space. Ooh. Now, this was a 3D film. Uh, it wasn't obviously, I, I saw it on the TV, so I haven't seen it in 3D, but it just really, really freaked me out. Was because... that back when 3D didn't work? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, there were so many. I mean, I've, again, I could have talked about 50 sci-fi films. There's so many. Them was one I really liked. With Invasion, Giant of, Hats, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Same sort of year. Incredible shrinking man. You know, there's all sorts of... Uh, you, you would probably love them, Toad. Okay, okay. All right, cool. I'm going to play this, and then after that, we'll have another discussion about what this says about the American psyche, this glut of films that came around about that time. But here is the audio from the original trailer of It Came From Outer Space. Yes, it came from outer space to fill the world with terror, 
to bring you unforgettable suspense. What was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from outer space? And what did they want on Earth? You can learn the amazing answer only when you see the most thrilling picture in years. It came from outer space. In the astonishing realism of three dimension, with objects coming right out of the screen, so real they almost touch you. So, Sean. Okay, that was that was a, that was a great intro to it. Okay, this film it came from out space is um, uh, it's a story. It's like this uh, uh, amateur astronomer, and he, he sees this thing land, and uh, and then after a while, all the all the townspeople start to act act strange and like really weird, and so they suspect there's some sort of alien. But the thing that sticks in my mind with this is there's like a giant bubble. Right, there's a giant bubble that leaves a little trail because earlier on in the film they're finding these like snail trails, but there's this little bubble and it sort of moves and follows people. And the camera, I was, I think they must have put a big bubble on the camera because the people look very strange as the bubbles, bubbles following them. Yeah, um, that's the bit that really sticks in my mind. Um, so yeah, as with all alien movies, it's, uh, it's, well. I don't know. It's just just this era I was I was I was brought up on, and I, it really sticks in my mind for that reason. I can't really say lots about it, but it, it sort of sticks in my mind, you know. So, yeah. But you were talking earlier about like the 1950s sci-fi movies, oh, yeah, like you're talking about them and all that kind of stuff. So, and yeah, so we were just we just finished talking about Vietnam movies and what that says about America that they keep going back to that era. But in the 1950s, there was like a whole glut of these sort of movies. Mm. Of it. it came from outer space. Um, Oh, the day the Earth stood still. You talk about you talked about them and all that kind of stuff. What what was it with the fifties and? Uh, well, it was the atomic era, wasn't it? I mean, we did be communist menace. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say they all played on fears of, of what was going yes. on. Yes, well, they had a commentary to make. Yeah. yeah, they did. But but as I say, with, with with some of the monster things, I think it was um, that that was more to do with the nuclear age, like them giant. Well, it's a great movie, I'm sure. Well, creature from said. the Black Lagoon creature by the same the by the same director, yeah. Jack Arnold. That's that was right. A couple of years later, yeah, and and a, a film I remember, a film Tarantula, which was was Clint Eastwood's first starring role, was a jet fighter that comes yes. to to bomb him. Another Jack Arnold film, a few. Years was later. it Jack Arnold film? Yeah, yeah, same dude. So this giant spider, and right at the very end, Clint Eastwood comes in. He goes, "Okay," and they 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 they, they blow him up. That's great <laughs> stuff. I mean, I was I was really young, and it's like, whoa, you know, they're probably really really cheesy now if we would watch them. But I I, I enjoyed them. They well, have I, their charm still, don't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. These old films. I mean, especially old science fiction because you can't. Well, you've just got to embrace them for what they are. You mm. can't pick holes in the special effects or the mm. the quality of the acting. You've just got to embrace the whole. But, yeah, but you say that. I, mean, I, I still think that some of them. I'm still impressed with the special effects. I mean, yeah. you think about I, the age in which they were made, like them, for instance, the giant ants thing was yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty creepy, impressive. Actually. And War of the Worlds. I was thinking of the worlds, worlds. even yeah, still the, all the the worlds. Yeah, that, that, that was um, that was quite good. If, the thing with all these films though is you haven't got to dig too deep to find a good idea behind it or it's saying something. A lot of sci-fi these days um, doesn't tend to. We've been quite lucky in the last year or so. We've had a few sci-fi films that are trying to say something, but a lot of the time they just get covered over in special effects and it, yeah. you, you miss the point behind it. These films they all had 
they all had a fear that they were playing on. They wanted you to leave the cinema going, oh my gosh, that's yeah. that's really got under my skin. Yeah. Well, okay, okay, cool, good stuff. And uh, we just had James walk into the studio, who is like a new, he's a new, uh, has a new show on here at um, at Sunshine Radio. He's talking about reading through the county press and stuff. And he came in, and I think Sean, he heard you talking about this being one of the first three D movies that was made. It came from outer space, and he spoke about what's in the news this week about the four D cinemas and all that oh, kind of wow. stuff. And I was thinking that because. 3D, personally, I don't like 3D that's in cinemas nowadays. I think it's mostly just a horrible fad and it's just a way of bumping up ticket prices and people making movies that gross a billion dollars. And But it obviously had this 3D thing, it died out, it came back. And he's talking about, what do you guys think about this 4D thing? Do you think it's just, because it sounds to me like they're trying to recycle what was being done in old times and didn't work. But they're trying to do it again because you they run out of smell a vision in your cinema. <laughs> smell a vision. Oh. Yeah, the, I, I, smell, I, vision. I don't know who that Just was during the woman scratch. in black, but it seemed, <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to be working then. Smell o vision. That's <laughs> there was I, only I, two of us in there. <laughs> I remember seeing a film in smell o vision, and they give you scratch cards like where you'd scratch them off. And they did be... that on Children in Need back when I was a kid. Yeah. You, you yeah. Had to, Radio Times had this little card full of horrible, stinky stuff that you had to scratch. I remember off a film, stuff. and I think it was a divine. I, I don't know which one it was, but I remember they had like a some flowers I always remember it said scratch now and there's this bunch of flowers would come and when you scratch suddenly the flowers would disappear and there'd be a pair of stinky shoes so that was really horrible Ooh, it's like, yeah, well, they say the reason why they want to explore <laughs> these new avenues of filmmaking is to make it a more immersive film experience, experience. but yeah, I think right. isn't your imagination what makes it more of an immersive well, film experience having someone sort of squirt water at you or having the seat rock about I don't. Th- I think it's the opposite <laughs> of immersive you're thinking <laughs> but, what the heck is going on but hasn't the days of people having imagination haven't they sort of started to die off don't, don't we have this instead now um, I just on that note about 3D though um, it, I haven't been on holiday for quite a few years and the closest I came was actually watching Avatar I actually felt like I'd managed to visit Pandora for for a couple of hours. I thought it was so immersive and I was so impressed by the 3D. That's what sold me on it. It really, really was uh, incredible, I, I, th- I thought. That's the thing, it's a stupid fad. Yeah. <laughs> I like the floaty, the floaty yeah. white thing. Yeah, I was picking I like, them out of my hair all evening. But <laughs> they I, weren't really there. That, I was just like, oh, I like to I like to watch a 2D version first and then go and see the 3D version and then you can immerse yourself in... in so, so actually see the film in 2D and then... I'd, Generally, go watch the 3D version. <laughs> Except when Joe, we go, I go with Joe, and we go straight and watch the 3D. The version. last 3D one I saw yeah. was Godzilla. Oh, Godzilla. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was good. The really sad thing is, all four of us just went Godzilla <laughs> <laughs> at exactly the same time. Okay, hang on a second. Hang on a second. James, do you want to say something about this? What, the 4D ones? Yeah, yeah about, about the 4D films. Yeah, you, I mean, you want to just sort of jump on the show and like. When I first saw it on the news, I just thought. That looks really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, just like the chair shaking around as you're going. Wow, around. what film was? What, what were they? Like oh right. Well, the thing is, I think it's it's um I, because I remember when when I heard about this 4D thing, the first thing that came to my mind was a was a film. I think it was 19. It was in the 70s. It was a Charlton Heston movie. Charlton Heston and John Ke- George Kennedy called Earthquake. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, that was sense around, I think. That yeah, yeah, that was it. Smell of vision as well. It was a pretty similar thing in that the big thing was they, I think, oh, I can't remember, it was one of these big, crazy producers who wanted to have certain cinemas that would have like earthquake or rama or something yeah, like that. So that so was, every time every time an earthquake happened occurred on screen, people would be like, oh, shaking around the cinema yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They tried that in Indonesia. They didn't, uh, actually went horribly wrong. Yeah. I d- <laughs> it was, the, the, the two well, it was mass panic and it was <laughs> no it really was an earthquake and no one left 
Well, there was actually an earthquake. No. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it would be dangerous doing that in an earthquake zone. Yeah. Because you <laughs> don't know what People would think, wow, this is great. Two, two other Century in films that I saw were, was um, The Battle of Midway. That was Charlton Heston film as well. That was in Century Round. And um, the other one, I just saw it, the other one has gone. But, yeah, um, the Charlton, so Charlton Heston must have starred in Century Round films. Earthquake definitely was, and I can just remember it. And also, if you were to watch, The Tower Inferno was on about the same time. And I remember oh, yeah. if you went to watch The Tower Inferno, when the earthquake started mm. and you was in the, watching The Tower Inferno, you could actually hear the, the yeah. Century Round in... Um, in earthquake, a really enterprising theatre. Oh, the other one, Well, I guess it's, it's just one of the things we were saying that I guess people are just trying to combat piracy one way or another, and they're sort of mm. trying to come up with something that sends people back into the cinemas. Yeah, make that this, cinema experience that bit more special. I mean, I went on a <laughs> make good films. I'd yeah, do it. <laughs> the, the <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's what I say. And then put them in three. Yes, uh, the newscaster. That on the television was trying to get quotes about the forthcoming Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, so how would you do that? <laughs> 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 and were, you could see the horror on the lady's face then. No, actually, we're not going to go there. <laughs> oh, good Lord, no. They do 4D in some of the American theme parks, you know, just little one. I think there's yeah, one yeah, called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, yeah. and there's like... They've got little jets of air and stuff under the down. seats, yeah. like yeah, mice that, or something or other. I remember yeah. that being thoroughly unimpressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, is, that one is good, but that's like it's good for a five-minute thing. Five for, minutes yeah. for a two or now. Now these are films that are getting even longer. Three-hour movie. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Let me let me understand the film. Let me watch it. And as Joe says, just make a good film, mm-hmm. make a good spectacle that I want to see on the biggest screen possible. Don't try and chuck stuff on my face. For the record, I'm not against 3D. I actually quite enjoy it, but it's got to be a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's got to be a good film. There's too many films that they just try, like, oh, like the remake of Clash of the Titans. Now, that is, I think but, on this show, and they don't make them like they used to, we need to have an episode where we talk about how good, how a good film is, re- is ruined by a remake. Yeah, well, that film, that film in particular, actually mocked the original with that, Clash of that, the Titans with the owl. Yeah, I know. I mean, why would you do that? It's... I mean, I love that owl. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> he's an, a, a childhood icon for yeah. many people. Yeah, I know. They just picked yeah. him out and chucked him away. It was uh, un- unnecessary. And cruel. I, I think we need to have that. We need to have a thing where we where we name and shame stupid remakes of classic films. But that that film suffered from really bad um, screenings before it was released about the the 3D, where it hadn't been converted properly. It wasn't filmed in 3D. It wasn't supposed to be 3D. They put it on there so they could make a billion dollars. But they did a bad job of it, and you had people's heads like floating half a foot behind (laughs) behind their body, and it all became you know quite disturbing. I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it. Okay, okay, okay. All right. (laughs) On that note, I'm moving on. (laughs) my favorite doctor who okay. was in the original clash of the titans so, oh yeah old um Troughton. Troughton. Yeah. yeah yeah so let's see okay he was one of the gods wasn't he no he was like a blind man that that the, the harpies came down yeah i think the was herpes it? the harpies oh, okay all right yeah. cool uh, herpes did That's not claim Patrick Troughton. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay all right joe it's was just hospital. talking about um joe was just talking about the 4d experience with honey i shrunk the audience with things running past your legs and earlier today i was in the hospital um speaking to some ladies in winter ward who were just talking to me about the first film that they ever saw in the cinema their favorite film i'm just going to play a, some, a couple of them back to back now and one of them was talking about a similar 4D experience, but I think it was a bit less planned, shall we say, than what Joe was talking about. Here's Dorothy. I'm Dorothy Bucket. Dorothy Bucket. Um, do you remember the first film you ever saw in the cinema? Yeah, I'll do that. A Cat and the Mouse at the Scala. 
in ride. Sat there one night, it's called the cat in the mason, or something, something brushed past my legs, guys, and I screamed. It was this, a cat went right by, and it was, the film was called The Cat in the Mason. <laughs> yeah, that was the first film I've seen, but didn't like it very much. Do you remember what it was about? No, I can't know, but I just remember that cat. Whether I come out after, I don't know. <laughs> but Gone When I Like with Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, and there was another, another actress, she died. And, oh, and I think Margaret Lockwood, no, I don't know. My name is Marilyn Patchin. I'm 70 years old and I live in Bedbridge. And the film I'm referring to is West Side Story. And I went to see it in Leicester Square. And in fact, we had three attempts to see it because on each occasion it broke down in the middle of the film. So we left the cinema and went back the next day and it broke down again and that happened three times. Eventually we saw the whole film and it was very enjoyable and I love it. I love the music from West Side Story. What's your favourite song from West Side Story? Uh, America. Favourite film? Uh, summer Holiday, because it was nice and cheerful. All right. Well, mm. So, well, when did you see this? What was what was the best thing about summer holiday for you? Just the dancing and the singing and something that you would love to have been able to do yourself, but obviously you didn't. And it was it was play acting, but no, it was good. It was good fun. Cool. So a couple of films spoken about there. I think, Sharon, this might be one for you. I think these ladies were right up your street. Yeah, they're just down my, yeah, <laughs> musicals. Well, I hope those ladies are on the men soon, those ladies in the Winter Ward. I hope you're yeah. feeling better and you are, you jo- know. Joe, you better put up. your headphones on. <laughs> as soon as Cliff starts is singing, it, Joe took his headphones off, is which it is finished? such a <laughs> mean thing to do. Is it, is it off now? But is yeah, um, like <laughs> these ladies, I love the old musicals. And I do, West Side Story, you've talked about that before. Great crack with a musical. Yeah. And Summer oh, Holiday. I think one of the best Cliff musicals there is out there. I mean, I think they're all enjoyable. As the lady said, it's just light-hearted, it's fun. And you hear that music. And I, for one, am just happy to sort of, you know, nod my head and sway along when I hear that song. And you visualise the red bus and everyone in their cool cat clothes and... I was, lovely swanky sixties mm, hair. I was nodding my head and swaying, but in a sort of nauseous way. <laughs> than I've, I've actually driven one of them buses, those Route Master <laughs> London buses. <laughs> okay, wait, wait a second. I actually, okay, so summer holiday. I know nothing about this film apart from C- Cliff Richard, that song, and a red bus. That's it. That's what? it. That's all <laughs> there is. But okay. wh- where is the bus going? Why does he have a There's red a bus? Group Why of is London he a- mechanics? Yeah. Basically, staff who work for London Transport. They've got been given permission to convert a red bus into a touring caravan. So upstairs, there's a shower, 
there's bedrooms downstairs they've got a little dining area they've got a little kitchenette thing so they they've, they've fully equipped it so they can take it across europe on holiday as they start on their holiday they meet this they take they meet over the car of three young girls so the girls join them so you have like three boys three girls oh, and then there's clearly the happen. fourth the odd one out <laughs> and then you meet this runaway boy and halfway through the film you realize this runaway boy is not a boy at all He's a girl in disguise. <gasps> and she turns out to be this really famous ingenue American actress who is, is running away from her pushy stage mother. And while she's on this bus with Cliff, what, what else would happen? But they fall madly in love. And so there was the bachelor Twist. boy who now becomes, you know, smitten by this lovely young girl. Is this, is this they, where the song Bachelor Boy comes from? It's just before he meets this girl, he sings Bachelor Boy because he's fighting his feelings. Oh, and right. so as, they, as it's part of the journey, they can have different mini adventures in each country. So you have a bit in Greece where everyone's dressed up with the curly-toed shoes and you have a bit in the mountains of what was Yugoslavia. So all the girls are hairy and all the <laughs> men are bearded. And you, and you have these different stereotypes, and the French girls are always a bit saucy. So you have these little stereotype sort of vignettes all the way along, and each song is sort of sums up that character of where they are. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've done a brilliant job. You've actually made me want to go watch this. <laughs> but wait, hang on a second. You said it's your favorite of all the Cliff Richard musicals. Yeah. How many did he make? Two. <laughs> but there was the young ones about the, the youth club in London there was another one where he did with Sus uh, Susanna what was her name it's gone out my Hampshire Susan Hampshire oh yeah and is it something it's a wonderful life something like that it was called All something right. like that not a wonderful life something like I can't remember the exact title So the, the and I think there was a later one there was one that was just at the end coming into the, the sort of the late 70s, 60s the 70s so, so they, they really did just try and make him the it's English the three, Elvis the three 50s ones are, are the best yeah yeah really. yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind them too much. I know Joe might criticise them, but they're, <laughs> but they're pretty feel-good movies. And I do love West Side Story. That's one of my favourite musicals too. Oh, yes. And uh, just one more thing. I think Dorothy there couldn't quite remember the name of the third person in Gone with the Wind. And uh, I think Joe and Sean kindly pointed out just before we went on air that it was Olivia de Havilland, if I pronounced that correctly. It's <laughs> Melly. Is that her character, Melly? She is Mel, the yeah, sister-in-law of... Yeah, Melanie. Melanie. Melanie, she's, yeah. yeah. She's the one who marries Ashley. She marries Ashley. Well, she marries Ashley. <laughs> Scarlet loves it. Oh, Ashley, Ashley. That's, that's what I remember most of them. Okay. okay. If I say this much more, I'm going to be disqualified as host of this show, but I haven't seen Gone with the Wind either. Oh, oh my God. I think I've, I've seen one bit of Gone with the Wind. No, actually two bits. I've seen the... Oh, I've seen three bits. I've seen the bit where he where he carries <coughs> her up the stairs. I've seen the frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And I've seen this massive sort of like sweeping shot over like a over a battlefield as she's walking around trying to find somebody and there's just like all this sort of like death and destruction and a whole bunch of people dead on the floor mm. or wounded or something like that. Yeah. I think with these films where they become so famous they're almost parodied mm. and then people see the parodies and then they actually don't ever get to see the original. So people are familiar with them without actually having seen them. There's a few films like that I'm aware of without actually having seen the film, but I feel like I know it yeah. because I've seen so many parodies or so many skits from it. Yeah. But yeah, Gone with the Wind, sweeping epic to use. I think that's probably the, the that phrase that, was designed. It's played every that, day. It's played every day in Atlanta. That's the official. <laughs> 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 the, the, yeah, it is. Yeah, or do yeah, they just burn, burn their copies? copies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Did, um, did, yeah, yeah. did you, you just want to mention about to that lady that said about Cat and Mouse, um, that yep. Cat and Mouse film? Okay, yeah, it's 1958. It was under a, a, a 
different name as well called in the this Desperate country. Men. Yeah, in this in country. In this country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was basically a story about a, a GI deserter that, that frames a girl for killing a blackmailer and holds her captive while seeking gems. So... Uh, it sounds sounds quite interesting, actually. Yeah, I was not, not what I was expecting at all. So, so I was like, this this show just keeps giving me more and more films to watch. <laughs> well, hopefully this will be the first and last time we talk about Cliff Richard films. So we've got to take the opportunity to say hello to uh, Melvin Hayes, who is an islander. Yes, island resident. Um, so with any luck, if he's if he's listening, uh, come on the show, Melvin. We'd love yeah, to have a chat to. with you. Indeed. You can tell us about it or the things that we've forgotten because there were certainly more than two Cliff Richard musicals, weren't there? Yes. I'm guessing that he was in Summer Holiday. Uh, yes, he uh, was. He, he was, was one of the guys on the bus. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good yeah, stuff. Was, yeah. Good and, stuff. <laughs> that would be one for I Love Movies. Anyway, we've totally forgot to do the second clue, so Joe... Mm. <laughs> Here we go then. Right, so we know that this uh, screen legend has a half moon shaped scar on his left cheek, uh, which you would have noticed if you watched any of his films. The second clue, martial arts stars Jackie Chan and David Carradine both cite this particular screen legend as an influence on them. I've got a completely different person in mind. Oh no, that no, happens no. with Joe's clues. It's great. You think I got it, and then it's like, whoa! I, I think it comes this. in from less field. I think I got this. I think I've nailed this one. I think I nailed this one. And seeing as we missed, oh, why don't you just give us the third one while you're at it? I, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Uh, uh, this screen legend once said of himself and of uh, the other legends around at a similar time, he said, uh, "Fred Astaire represented the aristocracy." Whereas I represented I've got it, I've the proletariat. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's nailed it. And then, now now, yeah. Yeah, 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 we were, yeah, I think we. Yeah, that, was, that was a brilliant clue, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got it yeah. on that last one. Yeah. I had complete. Well, I'll tell you who I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's not Christopher Lee. <laughs> no, not again, not no, again. No. Although it could be, he's probably influenced. Yeah, he probably has God knows how many scars as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, cool. And now we go to the final section of the show. And this is a section that, well, obviously, as the show is called They Don't Make a Mark They Used To, we have a section called Exception to the Rule, in which we allow a certain number of films into our, what can we call it, the canon of great Pantheon. films. Pantheon. 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 Okay, yeah. All the other ones stay outside. We allow a couple of films to the Pantheon. And so, Sean, would you like to tell us what film uh, it is that you have... It was mentioned a little bit earlier, and it's Avatar. Okay. So, um, Avatar, this film, uh, I agree with Joe, um, a great film. Um, I saw it in 2D first before I went to see it in 3D, so I enjoyed the 3D version really. Are you up. saying it was good enough without the 3D yeah, gimmick? Yeah, it was good enough without the 3D wow. gimmick. Wow, listen to that, Tozen. So, I did think it... No, no, but I think that just proves my point. The 3D was just a gimmick. The film was good enough anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah, <laughs> good point. But, um, no, this, I, I mean, this... This had everything in it. it was like action. In fact, uh, I think it was a little little bit like a western because you had all these different tribes. Oh, we'll go and get the horse people, we'll go and get the, the sea people. Mm-hmm. And it was very much really, um, <laughs> I, I think, sort of a, from a political standpoint, was the, the American or the European conquest of America, basically. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the okay. story behind it. it dances That's, with wolves. Okay. It, dances really? with wolves, really, basically. Okay. I, I actually stand out a little bit outside of the mainstream on Avatar. I'm not I'm not as enamored with it as no. most people. And so I'm going to play a song that kind of shows how I feel about it. And this is Leona Lewis with I See You from the soundtrack of Avatar. <laughs> you. 
nearly gave me a heart attack when she finished the song a couple of <laughs> moments early what's up with that i was just about to like what the, ah <laughs> okay so yeah that was um leona lewis i see you so avatar first of all let me say i thought that this film was overhyped to be honest with you i thought i thought avatar was overhyped i thought that the storyline was was it had been done so many times before. It was Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. It was last. It was Dances with Wolves. It was Pocahontas. Yeah, it was Pocahontas. It was just so many. It was just kind of like okay, the story's not doing much. I mean, everybody spoke about like oh, it's going to be a photorealistic kind of blah 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 aliens. I kind of thought that the aliens, when they show up on screen with a human, it's kind of obvious one of them is made by a computer. Like, can I just say I'm liking you less and less with every passing <laughs> minute, Tosin? I know, but seriously, <clears throat> I still I think. I think it's kind of the reverse happened. Like, okay, the previous movie that James Cameron made, Titanic, I saw it on opening night before all the hype started, and I thought it was a brilliant film. Thought it was, thought it was like, you didn't get that sinking you see, feeling. You see, I, I didn't like the Titanic at all. Yeah, well, that is, but that is, you know, I, I, think I know, I know that's hard. We've known each other. I like, didn't know that. You didn't know that. Man. Oh it was God. okay, but I mean, I just saw the things oh. I thought no, I knew about you guys. No, but that is essentially. I think it's it's a case of the hype thing, and everyone was talking about Avatar about being this amazing thing, and just wanted to make so much money, become the highest grossing movie of all time, and I was like, you stole this storyline from a cartoon but can i just say i like fern gully i like pocahontas and i like dancers with wolves yeah i know i like them all and i, like and, and, well. and I think, oh, I think and you like think, zoe Saldana. i do like zoe Saldana. <laughs> no, like zoe Saldana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i'd I, never thought i'd fall in love with a nine foot blue thing but i did <laughs> and i think that those three movies that you mentioned are better films than avatar but anyway that's just me and i'm going to stop talking about it now I really loved it. I thought it was great. I, thought it was, I think it's one of the only times when the word immersive really, really uh, was, it really did what it said it was going to do. <clears throat> there was one bit that, that I thought the immersive thing worked in 3D, and that was the bit where he walks out for the first time and puts his toes in the sand. Apart yeah. from that, apart from that, everything else I just thought there was, was a bit when they climb up these these mountains, and and the camera does this fantastic tilt. It, it sort of rises up over the characters and, and looks down, and there's this incredible drop beneath them. And I actually felt like slightly scared in the cinema because I, I remember seeing this with a friend of mine and he was you know twitching with every arrow that shot at the screen yeah, he that was, was me i was you like know, that. he was going oh all the floaty things yeah. that came around him and things. he was just he was completely <laughs> responding completely yeah. to everything that was he me. was seeing that was and what, i was what, more responding thing. to what he was doing you were saying stop shaking the chair <laughs> <laughs> so he was dodging the arrows and i was thinking what was have i missed it Did get I back over your own side so I didn't find it, I did sit in 3D and I didn't find it particularly immersive because I find it slightly distracting, the whole 3D thing, because I tend to think, I think, oh, that's a good 3D effect. Ah, oh, uh, look at that bit. That's very clever. How wonder how they did that. So I'm not actually in the story. I'm in the filmmaking process. So I, need to, I find it hard to separate the two when it, the 3D to me becomes too prominent and the story retreats i want the story to advance I, I, that's why it's best to retreat. watch things in 2d first so i've I found that 3d can be pulled off in different ways there's sort of three different types of 3d that i've encountered since it became big back in 2010 there's the 3d where it all pops out of the screen and hits you in the eye and you think get back in the screen please i, I you know I'm, I'm scared here that doesn't tend to work so much then there's the opposite when i when i saw the the, the phantom menace which was re-released in 3d a couple of years back 
they did the opposite. They had the 3D retreat back further. So it was like the cinema screen was a window. And it was still in 3D. It still had these three dimensions, but they were going further away from you. So you, you imagined it was all taking place on the other side of a, of, a, of a window or something. Then there's the third type where it sort of surrounds you and sort of immerses you in what's going on. And I think Avatar was, was that. And that's why I really responded to it. I suppose um, I saw the Glee concert movie in 3D. I suppose that would compare slightly <laughs> to that. You, you obviously didn't like <laughs> it much then, Shannon. <laughs> Those free tickets are good, I suppose. Aren't they? I think <laughs> Oh, okay, cool. I think we could. We're just going to stop the fight breaking out now. We're just going <laughs> to. But, okay, Santa on the side, I actually enjoyed Avatar for all that. I saw it again in, on DVD in 2D, obviously, because yeah. I don't have a 3D television at home. Yeah. And I actually enjoyed the film more because I could have that immersive experience mm. and just enjoy the film. And it is, I, I, my problem with Avatar, and I think it's, it's the hype. It was the hype yeah. and it was the fact that everybody was talking about it as being the best thing ever, which I didn't think it was. It was being, uh, I was so happy that year that it didn't win the Oscar for best picture because I'm like, okay, fine. Give it the, give it the, give it every technical award going. Give yeah. it the thing for the yeah. effects. Give it, but for goodness sake, that story is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was a masterclass in how to promote a film though, wasn't it? It was a masterclass in tapping into that new technology. Yeah. Tapping mm. into the story. And then Sam Worthington was at his hottest at that point. He seemed to have gone slightly. <laughs> well, he went and made <laughs> Terminator <laughs> Salvation, didn't he? Yeah. And ruined everyone's but lives. You see, I like Terminator Salvation. Oh, Sean. It was, a, for it. No, it was good. If I they'd called that. it, if they'd called it Salvation, it would have been a decent post-apocalyptic <laughs> I, film. I, but I really a Terminator film, come on. Was that was Christian Bale in that? Yeah, I, I know. I just the one. Well, great idea. And Cast if, Christian Bale, John and, Connor, and yet. It, and did they project Arnie's face? They had one? a CG yeah, yeah. Arnie from 1980 or something <laughs> or other, and he didn't yeah. say anything. No, that was a bit covered up. That was a bit awful. No, I think you need Tozen. I think you need to take comfort in the fact that out there now, James Cameron is working on three new Avatar films just for you. I know. Yeah. I know. That doesn't it's, fill me with excitement. I yeah, and they're, and they're going to be the first movies in the history of the world to make $2 billion, I'm sure of it. And I'll help them on their way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving up already. <laughs> well, one billion of that is going to be just you. That's right. You're going to become a billionaire just so you can make that. Much That's right. Right. Make Get to meet Zoe dollars. Saldana and Michelle Rodriguez on set. Hang on, didn't one of them die? Yeah, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's in it as well, somehow, and she died. <laughs> Okay, yeah, cool. The tree. Yeah. So the moving point. moving okay. on to the fourth clue. <laughs> okay, if you didn't get it already, this one will definitely, definitely give it away. This screen legend supposedly had a fever of 103 degrees while filming one of the most famous scenes in the history of cinema. I love this guy. Yeah. I absolutely love this guy. This guy is probably, I think he's probably the reason why I, I seriously got into 1950s film musicals. Because there was a, because I think I've mentioned it on this show before, there was a channel we had in Nigeria called TNT, which was Turner Network Television, which became Turner Classic Movies. Mm. And just went through a period of just showing 50s musicals, mostly starring this guy. And yeah, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So I think we all know who it is. Okay, so, so on three, shall we say it? Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Gene, Gene Kelly. Kelly. Yes. Well, um, the answer <laughs> is actually 
Gene Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> From your first clue, I thought it was Charles Bronson, which would have been a completely different musical, wouldn't it? If yeah. Singing yeah. in the rain. Yeah. What I'm scene? in the rain. What scene would he have had as a fear of 103 <laughs> degrees? Tom and, Tom and Jerry? Does he dance with Tom and Jerry? In yeah, film? He, yeah, he, he dances, dances, he dances with, with Jerry. He dances, dances with Jerry. With Jerry yeah. Yeah. Is it, think, it that way? Anchors away, I think. The, the, the scene is the scene in the rain scene. The yeah, the scene is he's singing in the rain, and he was scene where he was he was burning up. He is yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy man. Didn't they use milk for rain in singing in the rain? I read some. That's the legend, so you could see it. Uh, yeah, you could see it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I, didn't no, know no, that was, I know it was really horrible to uh, Carrie Fisher's mum, Debbie Reynolds, throughout <laughs> the entire shoot. Okay, okay, people, we <laughs> are just up. I mean, James is waiting to come in for his show. Right Sorry, now. James. Sorry, James. <laughs> so, so until then, until then, I mean, I was. I just like to end on this note and say that I was walking around the hospital earlier today and I was reminded that the hospital is not the funnest place to be and we hope that over the last hour we've provided a distraction whether it's a welcome one or a welcome one we just hope it was a distraction and we pray you all get well and until the next time please remember that they do not make them like they used to see you guys next week see you later see you Bye. later